0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Penny Lane Podcast. In this episode, Blaine and Justin chat with Joe Calloway. He's a golfer that trades OTC and penny stocks. Throughout the episode, Joe shares his small cap trading journey, the importance of having a competitive mindset, and managing your lifestyle as a trader. If you find value from this episode, please don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you to our sponsors, Penny's Going In Raw, Aries Broker, and Last Bottle Wines for supporting the show. Enjoy. The stock market is hotter than ever right now, and traders are taking advantage. But what does that mean for the people who still haven't started trading? The market can be a little intimidating at first, but you don't have to be alone in the learning experience. We at the Penny's Going In Raw podcast are here to help you. I'm Dan, and with my co-host Hugh Henney, we make the stock market a fun but informative experience for our listeners. We offer knowledge for all levels of traders, from beginners to those who do it full-time. On PGIR, we discuss up-to-date news about the stock market and interview other traders who all started out just like us and made it big. You'll hear from Hugh and other multi-millionaire traders, founders and CEOs of companies, FinTwit superstars, and even professional athletes. Have you ever thought about investing your hard-earned cash but don't know where to start? Do you have money just sitting in your savings account collecting dust? We were all there once too. Listen to Pennies Going In Raw on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, Joe. Welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you guys?
1: Good. I'm I'm so glad you could make it. Me too. Justin...
2: Uh, what, hello, welcome back to the Panolian Podcast.
1: What a sight for sore eyes.
2: I know, it's I look been, like I'm a Blue's Clues with this background.
1: You do. It has been six weeks since we've talked. It's been a long time. Who's counting? I am. Yeah. I am. Uh, congratulations, Last Bottle of Wines is back.
2: Oh, man, thank goodness. <laughs> and I think if you were to run, you know, the... the the margins that they're making off of one customer, me being said customer. Yeah. Um, it's just money that's going from this pocket to that pocket back to that pocket. It's very exciting. Certainly worth it. Um, what a business. And I, I, I'm also <laughs> doing word of mouth advertising, which you yeah. know doesn't show up uh, on those marketing leads, but a lot of people I'm sending texts to Blaine every now and then like, Hey, what's the code again? Is it a new code? I got this person hooked and that person hooked. And, you know, there's no reoccurring revenue there. I'll make up for it myself.
1: (laughs) Sure. Now, for those of you listeners who are also addicted to last bottle wines, which you should be. Why? Great company. Great wine. Great customer service. Killer Mm -hmm. marketing. Mm -hmm. Get in on the last Mm -hmm. bottle wines. You want to download the app. You want to use code PENNY10. Mm -hmm. This is a new code. Penny ten, you get ten percent off for one order. Joe, do you like wine?
3: I do. All
1: right, now what you need to do is you need to get your phone out. You need to download Last Bottle Wines app. Game changer, game changer. Anyway, I haven't talked to Justin since we've gotten him back as an advertiser, and this is this is big news for our family
2: marquee it's number one for me absolutely big fan of last (laughs) bottle these packages show up and it's just full of bottles of wine i love it
1: what could be better what (laughs) could be better all right joe can you tell us a little bit about your background
3: yeah so um i started trading back in july of 2017 and like everybody i had no idea what was going on or any idea what i was doing And, uh, I actually found discord through Reddit and joined like an OTC chat, kind of bubbled my way around there for a little bit. And then I managed to meet a guy in May of 2018 who was posting information in a chat I was in. And I had no idea what it was. It sounded like just sounded really high level stuff. I had no idea what it was going on. So I DM'd him and I was like, um what is this information? Like, what are you talking about? And he responded with a spreadsheet of like 5,000 OTC stocks that were all detailed out, like research and everything. He's like, do you want to learn? I said, sure. And I've been learning from him ever since. And I learned, I got really good at OTC for like two years. And then I started branching out into small caps, like end of 20, probably like halfway through 2020 because OTCs were like really hot for a while. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And then they started to slow down like last year. And I was doing small caps for about like a year and a half now, like maybe two years, but a year and a half, probably more seriously. And then now with the whole market being the way it is, I kind of do everything. Like I'll do large caps or whatever's kind of running for the day. But my main background's in researching OTCs and finding out stocks that will run before they actually run. So like reading filings Um, just seeing each setup and kind of just watching them and see how they trade. And I kind of applied that to small caps too, where I'll find small caps at lows or small caps trading at levels where no one's interested in them. And just from reading filings, and just watching the action, I can kind of get an idea of if it might go or not. Now it doesn't mean I'm always right, (laughs) but uh, more often than not, I still, between me and my mentor and some other people like we we have a good eye for like what might get a run at some point soon so that's kind of my background and then um of course I still day trade but like a lot of whenever I have like a really good day it's most likely a swing going off um so yeah I'm mostly a long buy trader. I should have said that from the beginning mm-hmm. but I do short here and there it's just not my strong suit
2: I love oh. that it was a spreadsheet that got you hooked from somebody. It's a yeah. 5,000 line spreadsheet. You're either in this world a spreadsheet person or not a spreadsheet person. I like <laughs> spreadsheets. Yeah. Blaine, are you a spreadsheet? Do you like spreadsheets? Are you a spreadsheet person?
1: Can't do it. Don't know what they do. Yeah. I, that's not, it's not for me. You, I you, actually... You're one
2: or the other in this world.
1: <clears throat> yeah. I actually, um, apparently this is a thing. I didn't know it. I thought I was a lone wolf, but I get really nauseous when I have to do tedious things. Um, an example would be, like, um, threading a needle. Like, it's very difficult for me to do. Spreadsheets fall into this category. So, That's hilarious. Therefore, I, love, yeah. <laughs> I have a physical reaction and cannot do it but congratulations to those that can
3: (laughs) i mean so my background before i started trading so i started trading when i was like (coughs) 27 years old so before that i was working as a credit analyst like underwriting loans so it was a bunch of spreadsheets and a bunch of that Mm -hmm. similar data so seeing a spreadsheet on trading which i love doing is way easier for me versus like trying to underwrite a loan which i have zero interest in doing
2: Oh.
1: Sure, so, sure.
2: Um, serious um, yeah. question. Being a credit analyst in a past life, or maybe I'm not sure if you're still in the industry at all, um, and also that kind of matters what industry you're in, but you are looking at risk profiles kind of day in and day out in that job, right? And, and perhaps lending parameters that fall under certain risk criteria. Do, does that make you? more risk averse or are you more risk on with your trading? I mean, I know we're talking OTC, right? But but as an example, like, do you just see like, I hate these stupid parameters that I always have to lend within. And so therefore I'm just a big risk on person. Or do you love <laughs> to live inside of those parameters and therefore your risk appetite is very small when, when doing your personal trading?
3: Yeah. Um. So no, I went full time in October of 2018. So I don't work as a credit analyst anymore. Okay um as far as uh parameters i mean if i see a good setup i have a problem of going too much into a good setup (laughs) so like i want to take advantage of it and it's worked out in the past um now it's kind of in a weird market environment where you'll have like a week of small caps running and then three weeks of them like doing nothing or large caps will move and then not move so it's like it's uh, it's kind of hit or miss these days but um no, I've actually, it's it's kind of, I never really thought about it in the way you just said it because I never really had that authority back when I was working to approve or not approve a loan. It was always a, a commercial lender, but mm-hmm. I never really, I mean, with trade, you kind of have to be able to risk your money and take risks. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was never about, like, I'll take base hits every day, but if I see a good setup, I don't want it to go to waste. So I'll I'll go in pretty good, like relative to my portfolio size if it's worth it.
2: So go, so go back one one comment that you made. You said if you're up on any given day, that is due to – I'm sorry. Did you say a, a large swing that you may have placed?
3: Oh, so I said if, so if I have like – if I have a really good day, like realized, not unrealized, like a really good realized green day, most likely it's a swing mm-hmm. going off. Um, my intraday okay. trading, like it's all right. it's something to write home about, but I'm not going to be making like – the high five or six figure trades that some people are making intraday. Like that's not what I do. Um, I'm trying to get to that point, but it's a lot of work. (laughs) Um, But the swings when they go off, that's when I can make like some decent money. Um, That's how like a lot of my stuff is made. And that's how like I was taught too. So I kind of gravitate towards that, but I'm trying to expand the playbook.
1: I'm also very interested in your golf career.
3: Oh yeah. So um, I know we were DMing about that, so like I have had, I've had hip issues for like five years now, and I've had four surgeries in that time. So I still golf here and there, not as much as before, but I used to play D1 golf for Villanova, and I played a lot in high school. And when I graduated, I played a lot of tournaments here in the Philly area, um, and I would definitely say that helped me because it's just like, I mean, when I was playing golf, every time I play golf, someone someone makes a comment, they made a comment back in the day when I was playing in, in college and it, I didn't really realize it at the time where it's like, you know, Joe could be shooting like 300 par or 30 over par and you wouldn't know because it's the same kind of, his face looks the same, the same kind of composure. It doesn't like, doesn't throw clubs or anything. And it's, it translates very well to trading because it's like, there's days where you wake up and you'll be firing on all cylinders, you know, like nothing you, anything you touch like goes your way. And then other days you wake up and it's like, you may think you're doing the right thing and it just nothing works out. So yep. it's very, both games are very mental <laughs> and it's, it's you versus you in and both the sports or not sports because training's on a sport, but both areas of what you're trying to do. So it's, it's helped a lot. And it's even in trading too. Like my mom, we were on vacation. I mean, not my mom, sorry, my dad, we were on vacation in Breckenridge like this past February. And, um, we went skiing and I was trading during the day because, or in the morning because it's Colorado, it's two hours uh, back from Eastern standard time than I'm used to. And it's like, I lost some money on Tesla and like, he had no idea. He found out like three days later when he asked me, Hey, did you trade at all on the trip? Like, how'd you do? And I told him and he was like, you were laughing. And I'm like, yeah, like that's just the way it is. Like you can't. Yeah. I mean, there's days where I'm like, all oh, this sucks. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to anybody, like get me away from people. But like, at the end of the day, it's, you have to be able to like, just be yourself and just at the end of the day, be like, all right, like this was that day, put it into its own box, compartmentalize it new day tomorrow, and then go from there or else it's hard to make it because it's, For it's, sure. it's definitely brutal at times, but <clears throat> it's worth it though. If you can make it work.
1: Were you born like that or is this a skill you developed through golf?
3: Uh, I've always been kind of that way. Like I've always been kind of, um, I mean, I've always had friends, but I've always kind of kept to myself as far as like just expressing stuff wise. Like, yeah, if I had, if I had a great round of golf, or if I had did really well on my tests or something in school, I'd tell my parents or whatever, but I was never one to get like super emotional if I had a bad day or something. So it just helped with golf. And then I think golf Mm -hmm. kind of solidified that to the point where it's like, I mean, Golf can be harder than trading because if you have a bad hole in golf, it can mess up your entire round. Versus trading, where it's like, if you have a bad trade, and the markets, there's a good day in the market, you can potentially make it back. Yeah. So well, from- if you've
2: quote unquote YOLO'd, then maybe perhaps Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But do you yeah? Do you think the flip side to that though, Joe, is that the with sports and athletics and golf in particular the. The mindset of repetition and continued improvement and perhaps the, the, the drive to continue um, you know I, I, it's practice in sports, it's not practice in trading, but you're continuing to push yourself. I mean do you think the flip side to that is that that's not something that is um, that you're kind of just born with, right? I mean that's what you draw from on, on the athletic side that, that you had to do that for so many years?
1: This episode is sponsored by Aries, the newest trading broker offering both mobile and desktop trading. The app is built for retail traders by retail traders and they welcome user feedback. Do you ever nail the entry on a trade but can't get filled? You won't need to worry about that anymore because they are a self clearing brokerage direct to exchange with TradeStation and they are much faster than other brokerages that route through a clearinghouse. Aries is a multi-asset platform. You're able to trade stocks, options, futures, index options, crypto, and micros. You're also able to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies. Lastly, earn up to 5% interest on eligible crypto assets with no lockups. Aries has partners and offers many free tools such as advanced charting, trading view with unlimited charting and indicators, free options flow, dark pool data, and many more tools on their roadmap to come. This is on average a $50 to $100 per month value, all for free. Finally, you can withdraw and deposit actual crypto and transfer to the U.S. dollar and use it to trade any trading assets offered. Aries is the first brokerage to offer this. Please click the link in our bio or go to www.tradearies.com slash penny lane to sign up for an account today.
3: Yeah. Um... Yeah. I mean, there's definitely an element of being, you have to be kind of born with it. I mean, there's only so much you can learn. Um, I mean, learning goes a long way, but it's, I'd say it definitely helps to be predisposed to that way because um, I've known guys in the past who both in golf and in trading where they've either had a good amount of talent or they didn't have much talent, but worked their asses off and got really good. But then at the end of the day, their mindset and how they react to failure just wasn't great. So yeah, I wound up never hearing from him again. So, I mean, you hear about a lot in trading where someone on Twitter will start posting like unreal gains and you're like, where did this guy come from? And then like a year later, he's gone. Sure. So, I mean, it just happens. So it's, it's definitely, it's, i would just yeah it's it definitely has to be born with it let's put it that way but through, yeah, that makes sense yeah. you can't
2: just catch you can't catch lightning in, in a bottle in athletics and just become a d1 athlete for a season and then all of a sudden you're not a d1 athlete anymore right that's not how, yeah somehow that works it is interesting blaine we've talked about before how many people perhaps maybe more so on the retail side of trading are in some version like an engineer mostly mm-hmm. an intellectual engine, like it's crazy. Just, and I think it comes from being mathematicians. Right. But if you take a look at the makeup of, of wall street from a corporate standpoint, it's like riddled with D one athletes or past D one athletes, or that's not fair. Any college athlete could be D two, could be D one double a doesn't matter. Um, and, and I think there's obviously something to that, you know, from, from a psychological standpoint, from a, a competitive Standpoint, um, it, it's cr- it's crazy how that just seems to be like the predisposed kind of person, right? On the but again, that's all corporate Wall Street, and then on the retail side, we've spent a lot of time talking about people who've had this background in in electrical engineering and mathematics. But it's 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 interesting. I think for me, this is the first time talking to someone on this podcast. Well, we've had we've we've had people who are very crafted in their skills you know in some sports right but but d1 athlete retail trader if that's what you want to call yourself joe but you you kind of work for yourself right trading um i I think it's fascinating the the like kind of the intersection between like really really smart obviously got that kind of math brain on one end and then got this competition and drive and practice and repetition and uh, uh you know the, the other side of the brain, right? Which is, I don't know. It's it's great. And I think it's big part of pointing towards sustained success, right? You've been doing this for over five years now. So that's no that's no small yeah. thing in itself.
3: Didn't really think about it in that terms, but yeah. It's a You're getting time, old,
2: but man. Sorry. Yeah, I'm too
3: old. <laughs> I mean, I see these guys on Twitter. They're like, I mean, I'm friends with a guy who's like 22 years old. And he absolutely made bank last year. And I'm like, I wish I found trading when I was his age. It's wild. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of uh, – it's funny to say this, but I found that the smarter you are, it's kind of harder to get better at trading because I have – I mean, I have friends who are doctors. I know friends of friends who are like lawyers and really smart people. And then during the pandemic, they would try – they tried trading and they just – I guess it's still a fact that if you're so smart, you think that you believe in your ideas so much that you're not willing to admit that you're wrong. And you have to be able to be like, step back and just say, Hey, I can be wrong. Like just because I'm wrong, doesn't mean like it's the end of the world. And that's where it kind of comes into. If you have like a sports background or some kind of, uh, not necessarily sports, but anything that could be like chess or whatever, just some kind of background where your 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 norm is dealing with adversity and trying to overcome it. So, just because you're wrong doesn't mean like, oh, you give up. Like you just have to keep finding ways to overcome what happened and just get better. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Cause like when I went for, I went for a couple of interviews when I was still working for like Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan in the um, wealth management side. And they even said themselves, they're like, you know, we're looking for people who are more than just book smart. We want uh, D1 athletes or people who have, been exposed to competition because we find they perform better than people who are just book smart. So yeah, it's 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 funny you said that, Justin, because it's very true. That's what you tend to find in Wall Street because mm-hmm. they like they like yeah. to they like to search for that kind of person.
2: Interesting. So, uh, do you do you gamble on the golf course? You're not the answer, you don't have
0: uh, to answer.
3: Not not really. I mean, so I used to go to the casino, like not a lot, but here and there to play poker before trading. And when I started trading, I kind of lost my drive for it. So it's kind of the same way with golf. Like, I mean, if I'm playing with family, we do like a dollar bet for the front nine and a dollar bet for the back nine just for fun. It's nothing serious. But I'll never do like anything more than like a couple of bucks because it's just really not worth it. I just, I I use so much mental focus on trading that I have just like, I'm kind of whatever with gambling and golf. But
2: yeah. Why? Yeah. What about you? No, I'm too terrible. I mean, yeah, I gamble. I just know that I'm like, this is the money that I'm signing away to whoever I'm playing against. I just know, like, that's a loss.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I I treat it the same way. So it's, especially my brother. My brother's pretty good. He's played in some, like, nationwide events. So I can't bet against him much when I play. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, So
1: um, do you by any chance know who Jared Tindler is or listen to that episode? Either one of you. No. No. Totally I, fine.
2: No. Okay. Good.
1: You, do you know who he is, Justin?
2: No, I know the episode, but. but oh, uh, did I, you b- listen b- to it? Three, two, two thirds.
1: Okay. Okay. I sit on so anyway, you know. Yeah. We, li- we interviewed him 10 days ago or something, and he is a coach and started out by coaching golf golfers and then transitioned into poker players and now coaches traders with Mm. the idea being that all of those things require the same mental fortitude which i'm obsessed with the idea that's why i wanted to talk to a golfer um obviously like so many parallels between trading and golf it's a good episode anyone listening should listen to it and you guys should maybe justin finish the episode
2: I will. I will. I have another okay. flight coming up. So so speaking of coaching, Joe, do you have coaches for trading? Um, you know, I know Blaine does and sometimes it's I coaching hi, by I committee, hired so.
1: I hired Jared. I have my first meeting with him tomorrow. I'm excited. Nice. Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's
3: solid. Um, I don't. Um one of my buddies has done it and like just a, just a psychologist to see as far as getting his mind right for trading but um honestly like my mentor's kind of been that guy for me uh he's just yeah. i mean he's he's been trading for like 11 years and I, just, I can always bounce ideas off him and i mean even he says like this market he's never seen a market like this and it's kind of baffling him at times but at the same time it's like there's always cycles so just because it's bad now doesn't mean it'll be bad forever so I mean, he said this to me when I first started learning from him. He was like, you know, it's right place, right time, right place, right time. Just because like, so when I first started, he was slow and nothing was really happening. And he's like, listen, just survive until it gets better. And then when it gets better, you're going to bank. And then a year and a half later, we had COVID and a lot of people made a lot of money. Um, But um, no, I mean, I just, he's been there for me and I've just always been kind of a self-starter kind of guy. And I just, I guess at some point it might be interesting just to see a psychologist to see what they could do. But um, I'm pretty, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm a pretty self-sufficient kind of guy where I don't need to bounce ideas off of, or not ideas, but just kind of get feedback. I kind of already, I'm pretty decent at being self-aware of what I'm doing wrong and how to improve on it. doesn't mean I improve on it. I have to work on some stuff, obviously. But no, I mean I'm excited to hear how that goes um with your with who you're seeing. I mean that's that'd yeah. be cool to get some feedback about that.
1: Totally. I um did we did like a mini session during the episode and he told me that everything that I'm like doing wrong in trading stems from a self confidence problem, which I think is probably accurate. So anyway, we'll work on we'll work on it.
2: <laughs>
3: I mean, yeah, yeah
1: self confidence the...
2: is huge.
3: That's sorry,
1: yeah. go that's ahead, Justin. The...
2: No, that's the downside of, of having somebody not dissect you psychologically, but then like the only downside is then you start to get into your head and you're like, huh, maybe I'm not so, maybe I do have all of these things I need to work on. And then, you know, it's, it's interesting how you can maybe perceive or take that feedback. So Joe is your, is your mentor? Is that the individual that sent you the original spreadsheet that got you to dive in?
3: Yeah. And that's awesome. um,
2: So this has been day one. Very cool.
3: Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it's been a, quite a journey. Like he's been with me when I've, I mean, I used all my savings at the time and I didn't now I didn't have the time. So I used to use all my savings. I went into one OTC stock with like 60 or 70% of my portfolio at the time, which was, I had like 28 grand. I went into the stock with like 18 grand and I made like 44 grand. And then I quit my job. I was like, all right, well, I got fired from my job because I traded too much. And then I went through a stint of trying to make it. And then the stock went off and I was like, all right, like, I think I can do this. And it's just been ever since. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess, well, to the mental fortitude point, like, for example, when I was the first two years from like, so I met him in May of 2018. So until May of 2020, I was waking up at like 6am every day and then I researched from him with him until like 8 a.m. Trade from 8 until like 5 o'clock. Research from 5 until like 1 in the morning, and then go to bed and do it all over again for like two years straight. That's all I really did. Um, of course, I went on vacation here and there, and like I saw friends and stuff. But during the weekday, I was kind of like really honed in because I just wanted to make it. I just didn't want to go back to a regular job, and I just knew this was it so how
1: disciplined are you in the rest of your life with like diet exercise you know things in your life that require discipline
3: I love working out I love I guess I love working out too much because I got injured and so I've had I've had seven surgeries in the past like five years like it's been it's been nuts I've had like three in my left shoulder that's good now thankfully and I've had four in my right hip my right hip's kind of still not great but um I love working out like if, when I'm not injured, I work out five days a week in the gym and then I'll go running or go play soccer or basketball or something on the weekend, stuff like that. So I'd say I'm a pretty disciplined guy, but it's like, it's kind of a work hard, play hard thing. So like last year, I mean, when the market was really good for like the past year and a half, I went to traders for a cause. I went to Miami with friends. I went to Miami three times with friends. I did Tulum. I did... Tampa. So I definitely enjoyed myself, but I wanted to make sure I got to a point where I wouldn't have to worry about spending that kind of money. So yeah. I did, did a little work on the back end so I could enjoy it. And that's, that's kind of the way I am. So like now when the market's harder and it's not my kind of style to make a good amount of money, I'm way more like pulled back. I'm not going out as much. Like I still hang out with friends and stuff, but I'm not going on these trips. I'm not trying to see everything. So, yeah. and I think most, a lot of people are probably doing the same um yeah but yeah so
1: interesting that origin story is very similar to Verde's oh really he is
3: yeah actually I traded him in a room I've known him for like three years I just wasn't too aware of his background but I should probably get more aware of it
1: (laughs) interesting He and the like research a lot of things you're saying are similar to things that Verde said during his interview
3: Okay. Yeah. We talk, he's, I know he's on vacation now, but when he's back, like we talk a decent amount. So he's a good dude.
1: Yeah. That was a real, um, incredible moment to be able to talk to him. Cause I like started in Atlas and really look up to him. So that was a cool, that was a cool episode. Nice. So I'm currently doing this thing where I'm like, I tell a story all the time. I will tell it to you. I had dinner with this guy who was an Olympian, and then he became a coach of Olympic uh, mogul skiers. That was his sport that he coaches those people, and he um, he said that you know being a great athlete does not necessarily make you a great competitor um, because you're a great competitor by focusing on all your weaknesses and like systematically getting rid of those weaknesses. Whereas you can be an athlete and just focus on your strengths and be like incredible. But when it comes to a competition, people can find your weaknesses and those really show. So I am doing this thing where I am like trying to get as focused and, strict in a lot of different areas in my life, hoping that that will sort of transform my trading. And I just wanted to know what you thought as far as like leading a disciplined life and being a disciplined trader, and if you think all of that comes together in some way.
3: I definitely think it does. Um, Like it's, I don't know, I see it as... I mean, I'm going to keep, I keep saying my mentor, but he's been the guy since day one who was like, listen, like, I don't know what your lifestyle is like. And I was like, this is how I am. He's like, Oh, perfect. Cause it definitely has a big effect. So mm-hmm. like, if you're not used to waking up at, so if you're on the East coast, market opens at nine thirty. if you're not used to waking up at like six thirty or 7.00 AM to like watch pre-market trade it, watch the news, see what's going on. And you wake up at like nine twenty or something just for open, and unless you're like a seasoned veteran, like if you've already done this before, you can wake up whatever time you want to trade your setups. But if you're like newer or even myself, like I still wake up at six thirty, six o'clock pretty much every day because I just want to see what's going on. And if you don't do that, if you like, if you go out late at night, you sleep in, you wake up late, it's going to definitely have a negative effect on your trading. And it's just, I think it all, it all matters. Like eating right, uh, getting the right sleep, um, Being in shape, too, because, I mean, we're sitting here. I mean, I'm kind of hunched over right now, but um, if you're sitting at a desk for, like, 8, 10 hours a day, yeah. I mean, I have a standing – I have a desk where you can go from standing to seated, and it's helped a lot with, like, everything. But just being seated down, like, 8 hours a day, like, that's a huge effect on your posture, your breathing, and everything. So if you're not trying to correct that in the gym or stretching, that can have a negative effect down the road. So, I don't know. I just – not saying you have to eat like a monk. Like I still, I eat whatever I want. I don't, it's just, I'm just not eating all the time. (laughs) As you can tell, I'm not a heavy guy, but I definitely think that leading a disciplined life to a certain extent helps with trading. You don't have to be like super strict, but you can't be showing up late. You can't be kind of doing whatever and expecting the same results as say someone who's here all day, every day. Um, I mean, it definitely depends on the market too. Like, being all here all day, every day for this kind of market, maybe not the thing to do if your setups aren't there. So, cause you don't want to be taking any trade that comes your way and potentially lose money. But when the market's good, you should not be taking a lot of vacations. You should be here making your money. So when it's slower out, you can just take that time off and not worry about just relaxing and enjoying life. So, yeah.
1: Totally.
3: But I mean with you, you have your own family, so that's like, I'm a single guy. So you have a lot more to worry about than I do. Cause I can just wake up whenever versus you have to take care of your kids, make sure they're okay. So it's definitely going to be a bigger challenge for you, but not saying you can't do it. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely helps. I'll definitely agree with that. Yeah. So I,
2: I want to ask you about your t-shirt Can we talk about that.
3: This was not a sponsorship. Honestly, <laughs> I woke up today and I was like, I threw it on cause I like to, I just have tended to wear trading shirts when I work out because I'm working out later today. Um, but no, I mean, I got this t-shirt at traders for a cause last uh, November when I was in Vegas, I got a bunch of shirts. I have like a guardian shirt. Um, I have a Cobra mug or something. So I have like, cause I use all three of those brokers for long and shorting. So I just happen to wear this. I'm not sponsored by them. I'm not saying to like do anything, <laughs> but they're a good broker, but regard, they're all three are really good. But um, no, nah, I just like using them.
2: Blaine, do you know what traders for causes? Yes. Okay.
1: I do. I do want to, sorry, we need to pause for a commercial break.
0: Irrational exuberance? When it comes to killer wine at drastically low prices, 30 to 70% off retail and free shipping, we live for that here at Last Bottle Wines. Whether you went long or short on GameStop, you'll need a glass of something terrifically tasty, and we've got the goods. Last Bottle is a daily wine site based in Napa, California. One wine, every day, at black swan event prices, usually 30 to 70% off, until poof, it's gone. Whether you're a pound the table type, think ultra crisp, quaffable Sauvignon Blanc, or a dividend aristocrat, Burgundy, or Napa Cab, there simply is no better place to buy wine on the web, and they always have free shipping. Last Bottle has a deal just for Penny Lane listeners, Use promo code PENNY10 to save 10% on your next order with Last Bottle. The code is good for one order and one order only.
1: Okay, Traders for a Cause. Justin, yes, I do know what Traders for a Cause is. Joe, do you want to tell us, though? I haven't been.
0: Uh,
3: so it's hosted by uh, Nate Michaud from Investors Underground, and it's he has a bunch of speakers come, and it's basically like a way just to network with other traders. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I didn't necessarily go there to learn trading things. I just went there just to see people who I see on Twitter all the time and meet up with friends who I've met in the past. So um, like so that was last November. Last July, I met up with about 20 people in Tampa who I've traded with but never met up. And we had a great time. We were there for a week. It was an awesome time. And then about half of them went to the traders for a cause. So we all met up. I mean, I met people too. I met like Ricky Analog. I met Nate. Um, I met Sang Lucci. Uh It was really cool just to meet everybody because, I mean, we're trading in front of our screens and you just see these people on Twitter and you don't really know them in person. But when you meet them in person, you have a drink with them at a bar and you're just talking and just kind of talking about whatever. It's pretty cool just to just hang out and not be so stock-focused and just talk about whatever you want to talk about. So, it's like it's from Friday till Sunday and I went earlier just to hang out with friends, but it was really cool. Like, it's They have two um, cocktail hours on Friday and Saturday. And then there's uh, talks are Saturday and Sunday for like eight to 10 hours, I I think total each day. And it's just really cool just to hear people's story. Like, I mean, they had a bunch of people, a bunch of speakers. So like it was, I just liked to hear everyone talk. And it's just kind of very interesting to get their perspective on trading and their styles and how they're doing and what they're doing, how they're going forward. So I liked it a lot. Um, if you like to network with other people, I think it's great. Um, but I just had a really fun weekend, so I just recommend it if you want to go.
1: Cool. Cool. What do you, what are your thoughts on the OCT and penny market right now?
3: Ooh, uh, uh, (laughs) I'm hoping it picks up. So I, I don't know if you're aware, but last September a rule came out, so Before last September there's like different levels of OTCs. There's dark and defunct, meaning they have like barely any filings out. It's basically like a shell company. And what happens is a lot of times people would make fake Twitter accounts, fake websites, and pump up these companies that are doing nothing. And it it could be Twitter people, it could be like just they could be people trying to hijack the shell. Like a lot of like Wild West stuff would what go on before. And what happened is in last September, they came up with a rule saying, if you are dark and defunct and if you don't get current within like a certain amount of time, we're going to put your stock on the expert market, which is basically saying you can't touch it. So after a certain amount of time, a lot of tickers went to this expert market. So you couldn't trade them. So now what happens is you, could, you have to be either pink current or OTC QB to trade on the OTC market, which either designation means you have to be current on your filings. So the problem with that is a lot of times where I make my money is from loading stocks that I think would get filings in the near future. And when filings would come out, people would just, just kind of buy it up and it would kind of go crazy. Um, like one stock, um, Goff, G O F F. It went from dub 20. So like 0.002 to like 50 cents. That's, that was the entire run just off of filings. So it's crazy. Um, but now this rule came out and then the sec has been cracking down on fraudsters. So like say it like it takes about two to three years for the sec to build a case and to bring fraudsters to justice. So we're seeing a lot of cases come out from like 2015 to 2018 now. So like stuff that happened in the past are coming out now. And it's like the combination of a lot of stocks going in the expert market and the sec cracking down on people has led to the OTC being kind of a barren wasteland where, like, not a lot's going on. Um, um, recently, there was, like, a couple runners, like, SYSX went from dub, like, 50 to, like, 10 cents, so it ran, like, 2,000%. Um, but that was the first runner in a long, long time. So I just think it's a matter of time, honestly. Like, I don't... It's not going to go away. Like, there's the runs are going to come back, but it's not going to be to the point of, like, oh, filing's come out, and we're just going to run a thousand percent. I think it's just a matter of time. So I think the market too is not helping. Like the market's going down. People are not trading as much. So there's less dollar volume in every market, not just OTCs. But I think probably like towards the end of this year, next year is when OTCs should pick up a little bit. Um But right now it's kind of just a wait and see game. But that's kind of the, that's kind of my best view of it at this point. So I don't know why I just you... Sorry, go
2: ahead. mentioned something, Joe, that caught my attention at least. You talked about how at least with the general market with the larger indices volume uh, of of trading is down, obviously. Um but for you, I mean, that that has to matter so much more, right? Or am I wrong here? I mean if you you're you know, you talked about some of your well, you talked about one one of your original size trades, which was very large, right? And at at you know, the price Point of some of these, I mean, that's got to be, hundred thousand shares, two hundred thousand shares, three hundred thousand shares for some of this stuff, which, I mean, how many other people are really trading these names in any given day? I mean, th- th- that's a massive volume in terms of you know probably what the float is out there on some of these, so I- I'm just gonna guess that volume to you has got to be one of the first things that you pay attention to, unless it's don't care, I'm gonna hold it for uh you know four weeks waiting for some of those filings to, to come through. But I'm, I'm just going to guess that volume is just gotta be a a leading indicator for you. Right?
3: Yeah. I mean, so, I mean the stock that I went in on, um, it was at like a dollar 50. So I wasn't really any, I wasn't my, the size I had wasn't really anything thankfully, but on some stocks that are in like below a penny. Yeah. Volume definitely matters. Like, I'm, I'm in some stocks. I mean, once you get down to like dub two, dub three, like having a million shares of something, that's like two grand. So a dub two, it's like two grand. That's, I mean, everyone has a different portfolio size, but for me, like that's not, that's not really a lot, thankfully, because I've done well for myself. But now it's like, the problem now is I'll buy something, and then nothing might happen for a while because of the market. Like that's just been the way it is. Like I was in. Huh. I was in a stock. Well, I'll say this. I was in a stock for like two years. That was like my longest hold for OTC. I wanted to get out and I couldn't get out, but I was in like nine cents. It went to 20 cents. So after two years, it went from nine cents to 20 cents on a one day pump. I sold it, made like 50%. I was like, great. I'm done with this stock. Thank God. The next month it went to $3 and 50 cents in one day. And it's like from nine cents and it's like, you just never know. Like sometimes Sometimes it might get pumped, sometimes it might not. And, but yeah, like I look for volume, I look for like unusual volume at lows. Um, But the thing is not a lot of people look for the stuff that I look for. So it might be me and like several other people trying to load this stuff, but it's just not many people can read the filings and understand that, hey, this might go off at some point. doesn't mean it will go off. Like I'm not always right. But it just means that more often than not, it should go off. So like a lot of people will wait for a PR to hit or some kind of catalyst to order to buy something. Um, And I definitely trade those stocks. But for some of the stocks that I'm in, I'm kind of waiting for a catalyst to come to send it. So yeah, you're right. Like I'm in some stocks where like if I want to get out, I can't. I just have to wait. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely an issue. So I'm hoping that changes soon. (laughs) But uh, at some point it should. I hope but until then I'm just kind of chilling and just biding my time and until then I'll just day trade and make money day trading and then kind of wait until my swings go off
1: um how involved were you in trading LTNC oh
2: man I was just thinking oh
3: that's I know
1: I know so
3: I was actually in that one at Lowe's and when I saw Stan tweeting it and I saw everyone on Twitter going crazy about it. I was like, you know what? They're just going to pump and dump this. It'll come right back down to my average. I'm just going to sell, take this gain and not worry about it. So I sold for like a hundred percent, like in low dubs or something. And then it just kept going off. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like why?
1: <laughs> just, that's how it happens.
3: Sometimes it's crazy. It's just like, I, when I, when I talk to people at OTC, they're like, Oh, why don't you just buy and hold it forever and sell like it pennies or dollars. And I'm like, the amount of stocks that go from like dub one to like a penny are so rare, but it seemed like they were all doing it in the past year and a half because everything was flying. So yeah. LTNC, I was like, there's no way this is happening. I've seen this so many times where like a pumper comes in, he pumps it a couple ticks and then it sells off. So I'm like, take my gains, wait. But in this case, it didn't happen. Um, that stock was nuts. I didn't believe, I couldn't believe the run went on. It was just crazy. So like I traded some days, but Didn't really make what I should have made on it, but it's like, it's, it's just nuts. Why did you guys trade that at all? Or what'd you do?
1: So it was running when we started the podcast a year ago and a lot of our introductory episodes focused on what's going on with LTNC, (laughs) take over Joe, the hydrogen water, like we were pretty into it. And actually our podcast has one, one star review. One, really which gives us a total <laughs> rating of 4.9 instead of five oh, and we God. got the one star review because someone was ticked that we were like talking bad about LTNC they're mm. like this thing's going to a dollar or whatever like no. you guys yeah no you know um, what? but anyway that, taught us a that- lesson.
2: It Did that one-star review, Blaine, could have come from Kate, my wife, because she—that's sure. the first stock she ever purchased. That's the yeah. because of this, she was like, mm, "I got to open an E-Trade account and I'll buy. I mean, who knows? what is that fifty thousand shares of LTNC or something? Yeah, she's like, it is. I, I, you know, I, I got to give this a whirl and um, yeah. That went very bad for her.
1: <laughs> it did. Yeah, but yeah. she was only in like 50 bucks, right? So,
2: right, right, right. right. So, oh, that's, it was good. Nothing.
1: that's good. That's yeah. yeah. good. Yeah. But, yeah.
2: Either way, that was her first foray into an E Trade account. And um, it had to have been E-trade. Yeah. E Trade. Yeah. Either way. So, uh, conspiracy theory the one star review is actually a family member.
1: Could be. Could be. I will be talking to Kate later today. (laughs) Has any hydrogen water showed up at your house, Justin?
2: No, but I am actually, I just learned a lot about liquefied hydrogen in terms of energy and fuel cells this week. That's really boring. We don't have to get into that. But, you know, I'm not that smart. (laughs) But I learned a lot about it this week, and I imagine that there's a lot of OTC. (laughs) Uh, companies out there that probably have the next big invention for liquefied hydrogen and the way to store it and transport it and yada 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 so i I imagine joe that's probably not a foreign concept to you
3: no um well so the thing about otc's is (laughs) most of them are fake like they don't really do what they say i don't know if you're aware of that but oh
2: you mean ltnc yeah yeah,
3: oh
1: do you remember Justin, when we got into that story about the shell company that was the sub sandwich place, and it was the mm -hmm. New Jersey wrestling coach, yeah, yeah, Yeah. oh, we were we were so deep into that. In fact, we ought to bring some of that back. That was fun. That was good fun.
2: Now it's a reoccurring segment of Joe, which is Joe, tell us the the newest sham company that is trade. I mean, LTNC, I think we figured out that he was probably just using this money to fund his hunt for Bigfoot.
1: Yes, oh, that is what we discovered. There's
3: actually yeah. a
2: Bigfoot ticker. There was. It was B
3: BGFT yeah, or something. I forget what it's called, but the literal company business description was, We're trying to find Bigfoot. And obviously it was a joke, but like it would run. Um,
2: but no, um, I mean someone pays money to to file, I mean to be a public company depending on what you know what market you're on or, and, and what filings are required. You can spend upwards of a million to 2 million dollars for a basic company in just attorney and filing and accounting and audit fees. Like that's insane. Just for the- Now yeah. I'm imagining the guys hunting for Bigfoot didn't just pay a million dollars to, you know, to be public, but it's not it's not for nothing. I mean, that's a lot. There's a lot of effort there.
3: There is. Well, it's like it costs around 250 grand just to get a clean like OTC shell. And then you're right. Once you once you add on filings and lawyer fees yeah. and everything, like it, it adds up to it be a lot of money. But the thing is, it's it can be very profitable to have your own shell company because you're just selling shares and your cost basis is so cheap. So a lot of OTC companies come up with a fake PR, Normally, it's something that's in style. So like when weed and Bitcoin were running like two years ago when they were going crazy, even last year, um, what would happen is a lot of OTC companies would change their current business model to be either weed or Bitcoin. And then they come out with the PR saying, hey, like we're producing CBD oil or something, or we just started mining Ethereum or Dogecoin or whatever it is, whatever catchy headline they would make up.
2: Blockchain, blockchain, yeah,
3: blockchain, 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 blockchain. <laughs> NFTs, whatever they would do, and it would just run, and that's all they would do, and it's like total scam, and it's like the SEC knows this, but they let it go because they make all this money off filing fees. It's only when it gets to a certain <laughs> point where if you get too out of control, like if you send your stock from like a penny to like dollars, that's when they're like, all right, we got to shut you down. This is way too much. But
2: does that make does that make the SEC complicit in fraud?
3: Uh, I mean. Look at politicians.
2: I'm gonna have someone show up at my house, Blaine, and I'm no. going to get Jesus. taxed.
3: I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, there's, there's, I feel like at every place you look, like there's always something going on, like not just trading, but I mean, it's the way mm-hmm. it's, it's a shame, but that's kind of the way the world is. But it's like knowing what's real and what's not real, and how you can profit off that without the expense of other people. Like that's kind of, like I just kind of, I just kind of read the finer details to see, like, hey this might be a sham company that might be pumped up. Like that's basically what I do. Um, but I mean, even small caps, small caps is worse than OTCs at times. Like you had IGC, I don't know if you guys are aware, but IGC is like a total, like, it, it was weed, Bitcoin, it was everything at one point. Yeah, yeah. It was small cap, got delisted at OTC, then got relisted back in the small cap line and went crazy again. Like small caps, you could run for like days and no one cares. It's kind of crazy. Like OTCs, they shut you down way earlier than small caps. But I don't know. Like it costs more money up front for like to be listed on the small caps. But the profit potential is just like way more. It's kind of crazy. Um, and then people are probably like, why don't you make a shell?" And I'm like, no way. That's way too much. We never do that. That's – I'm not into that game. <laughs> Sorry, but go ahead.
2: Joe, do you have a horror story of getting caught up in a, in a ticker or a company that ended up like where, where that name got, you know, shut down by the SEC or stopped or halted or what, whatever you want to call it, or they're now under investigation and you've just got a bag of nothing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's
3: happened. <laughs> um, trying to think. Uh, like, I was trading one stock. Um, i trying to remember the name of it. Oh God, it's, it's happened a couple times. I'm just trying to remember the names of these stocks. But, like...
2: That's all right. It, That's all right. But what happens on the tail end of that?
3: Um, well, so like what happened is there was like the SEC halted one stock. It was, there were, it was related tickers and I forget the ticker symbols. It was like two years ago or something, but I was in this stock. It was trading at like a dollar 90 and the SEC halted its related ticker like earlier in the day. And then, so, sorry, it halted at like 12 o'clock and we like, so I traded like a couple of people in our, in like my own OTC chat, we have like 12 people, whatever. Um, and we were like, oh, they just halted the stock. And we looked at the current stock and it starts dropping like a rock because people are like, get out. It's not good. It goes from a dollar 90 to like eight cents in like an hour. Like it was just like oh floored. And when you're trading in E Trader or TD, it's, it's very hard to get out of an OTC when it's like plummeting. Like if you have DAS and you're trading with center point or Cobra, like that's direct access, so it's way easier to get out. But in E Trade or TD, it's it's w- like whatever you can get filled. So I try to sell. Mm-hmm. The price is at a dollar fifty. I put a sell in for a dollar when the bid was one fifty, and I missed everything. That's how quick it was. It was crazy. So, and like there's been times where I'll get I'll be in a ticker, and I'm waiting for it to go off, but like it gets halted because somebody got indicted or they didn't get filings in time or whatever. So, I mean, I'm stuck in two stocks that are expert market because they didn't file in time for that deadline. It just is what it is. Um, but like the hits that I've taken, Mm. it's, it's kind of just cost of doing business compared to like all the gains I've made. So it's kind of just, you have to roll with the punches, but
2: that's that golf attitude.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, it's, I've definitely been a victim of it here and then, uh, but I mean, even in small caps, I mean you'll have the times where like a stock's trading and just gets halted for no reason and then it comes out, oh, like like the PR was fake or like we don't know why our stock's trading up here. There's no material or evidence for it, and it'll just unhalt way down. And if you were long, you just get smoked. So I've seen that happen too. It hasn't happened to me on small cap land, but I've seen it happen. So How
2: how much time do you spend being a web sleuth trying to <laughs> sift through What's real? What's not real?
3: Uh, I used to spend a lot of time when I was first learning. Nowadays, it's more just like as it comes up. So, like if I see a stock that's like falling off, I'll kind of start digging. Um, like AFI, for example, AFI, it had like Chapter 11, like bankruptcy uh, filing, like on May 10th, and it was at it closed a day, I think, at like 13 cents yesterday, and now it just hit like 80 cents today. And it's a small cap, and like I didn't read into that because I kind of missed it. But if I would have known, I would have bought it because like usually when a stock declares bankruptcy and it just sells off that much, there's normally like at least a decent bounce. But these days, maybe like I don't know, half hour, an hour, just kind of depends. Some days I don't even research, but like back in the day when I was learning, I'd spend like hours at a time. Um, so I say it just depends. Wow. But yeah, yeah, I didn't have a life for a while, but it's it's it paid off. <laughs> so it is what it is.
1: Well, as we're sort of coming to the end of our time here, I was hoping you could sort of give some advice to a new trader who might want to get into the OTC market.
2: You can't say don't do it. (laughs) I was going to say don't (laughs) do it.
1: I
3: mean, mean, small caps too is tough now these days. So I say either OTC or small caps. I would just say spend time just watching the market and not trading. Because, and just learning filings, because I've seen it so many times where people will be in stocks, whether it be OTC or small cap, and they don't know what a filing, what filing hits. And they're like, what does this mean? And I'm like, this is a good filing or this is a bad filing. You should be to buy more good out like knowing, having a baseline understanding, like what an AK is, what like a pre-14C is, what like, what all these, you don't have to like read everything about them, but like just knowing what's in them helps a lot because, like I don't have to spend time reading through a filing where if I see a filing come out, I just might instantly buy a stock because of that filing versus somebody else who might have to read it. And by the time they fully understand it, the it might be gone. So just watching and kind of getting understanding for how stocks move and understanding filings to a base level. And then for me, I never used paper trading because there was no emotion involved. I just kind of use really small amounts to get familiar with trading and kind of, get my footing there so i would just say using small amounts when you first get started and money that you're willing to lose because you're not going to make money off the bat like i didn't make money off the bat just doesn't mean anyone anyone can't but like the odds of making money right off the bat are just very low like i've had thanks to my mentor i mean i've literally had no red years thanks to him because i got a really big head start but um if i didn't have him I would I don't know if I'd even be here but regardless of that I still use small size even today. Like when I started shorting, I'm shorting like 500, 1000 shares worth of a stock that's like a 10 bucks. That's what I first started doing now it's like more. But if, when I try something new I'm not trying to do it and hit home runs. So I would kind of recommend those kind of two things. Um and like I'm not trying to pitch anything but I have an OTC chat where it's free, there's no there's no cost to join where like I just help people out. Like I just, I like giving back to people who like learning. So if anybody wants to join, they can just either hit me up on Twitter. I don't really tweet much cause I've just kind of the way I am. I don't try to pump stocks, but like I'm on discord and I'm on Twitter. So if you can just reach out and I'll, I'll help you there too. But I'd say the best time to learn is in a small, in a slow market because you're used to not stuff, not moving. So when it goes off now, you're, more well read you more understand everything so you can trade better so that's a long answer to what i would say is what your question is
1: cool all right well thank you so much for your time this was a great episode yeah thanks
3: for having me i really appreciate it thanks all right nice
1: all right have a great week all right thanks
3: you guys too
2: By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.